Welcome back to Second Helping, the top choice among podcasts for fans and followers of the number one league in all of collegiate athletics, the Southeastern Conference. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network with you alongside my great friend, co-host here on the podcast, Brent Beard, a longtime college football analyst for First Coast News down in Jacksonville, Florida, and of course, a longtime voter now for what should be a very interesting edition of the Heisman Trophy coming up here in the next few weeks. That, of course, uh, being a big part of what Brent Beard does for us here on the program as well, among many, many things. And, of course, the show, as always, brought to you by DraftKings, DraftKings.com. Go there and check out all the great fantasy football options available to you. A lot of cash in way of prizes and uh, great offers for you there at DraftKings.com. Check it out right now. And, of course, we appreciate as well. The Pigskin Podcast Network is the primary platform for second helping. And with that, Brent, we get into another week of college football action. I want to start, though, hard not to start without recognizing the just absolutely horrific events uh, there in Charlottesville, Virginia, on Sunday night as three Virginia football players, Devin Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr. and Deshaun Perry uh, were basically massacred uh, by a former, allegedly uh, anyway, a former Virginia football player, Christopher Darnell Jones Jr. Just senseless. The only word I can come up with, because regardless of the details that we continue to learn here in the coming days, Brent, it still won't make sense to me. None of no. this will make any sense to me. No, not at all. Uh, and because of that, obviously, uh, it's a lot more important in the mental health of these uh, players right now than even playing a game. But as far as what Travis and I do uh, for our listeners, uh, Virginia is still trying to decide what if they want to play. And, and look, I, you know, would that be therapeutic for them to play? Uh, and then the thing would be, how could they play uh, mentally, that is, and be able to focus? So some difficult decisions, but none of that overrides the loss of these players and their families. And certainly our prayers and thoughts go out to them. Uh, and and I, I know they've got resources and counselors and uh, so forth there to be able to help some of these players. But, but Travis, you're right that it, it really focuses on uh, some of the nonsense that just goes on and how that, uh, and, and we may never know what happened here, but it never should have gotten to that point. No, never, never should it reach that sort of point, tipping point. But we have learned as we record this on Wednesday mid-morning that Virginia has canceled its home game coming up this weekend. I believe that was Coastal Carolina right. uh, that was set to visit Charlottesville. They will not play that game. So, uh, understandably, very yeah, understandably absolutely. so, uh, not going to have football uh, in Charlottesville this weekend. And I absolutely echo, echo the sentiments there uh, of Brent. As far as the Southeastern Conference, Brent, you know, we'll get into breaking down some games from last weekend. We have our SEC championship game participants identified in the Georgia Bulldogs and the LSU Tigers. But with all of that, even with all of that, Brent, I think our team of the week has to be the <laughs> Vanderbilt Commodores. How can oh, it yes. not be Vandy? Oh, yes. Fear the doors. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, and Travis, Clark Lee stood up 
in the middle of SEC media days. No one was really paying attention, but talked about what a great school Vanderbilt is and that, and that at some point that they're going to be winners. Uh, now, look, uh, I, I know some people would take issue with this, but, but Travis, when you're Vanderbilt and you've won four games and have a chance to be able to, to even sniff 500, I know he won't be coach of the year, but that's significant progress, is it not? Absolutely it is. And look, you're going to go into this week's game feeling like you've got a shot with the Florida yeah, Gators sure. visiting Nashville. It's going to be Arctic, I think, like conditions yes. Yes. up in uh, <laughs> in Nashville this weekend. And we'll get more into that game coming up because the Florida Gators, too, coming off a very impressive performance from over the weekend. But Vanderbilt, boy, and the win over Kentucky up in Lexington last Saturday just ran and ran and ran some more. And we talked about it last week on the pod with A.J. Swan beat up. Uh, Mike Wright was going to jump back into the starting lineup. And good for this guy, man. Started the season on a very impressive note. Lost his job to A.J. Swan. A true captain in every sense of the word in that he jumps back in there passes for 184 and a touchdown and also runs for 126 <laughs> and a score. And then Ray Davis, this is another guy who's had a yeah, really nice season absolutely. for Vanderbilt, 129 rushing yards and a touchdown. And uh, Will Shepard gets it done on the outside. Got a little help too. But you know, when we think about Vanderbilt's chances of winning, especially on the offensive side of the ball, typically we're going to talk about Davis. We're going to talk about Shepard and we're going to talk about quarterback play. And the Commodores got all three up in the bluegrass state. Uh, but see, the thing that really amazed me and the odds of Vanderbilt doing this are so slim, but I mean, Travis, they got the ball at the end of the game with a chance to win the game. And they actually came through that. That's the thing that, uh, well, I, that was so amazing. Nobody thought that that would happen during that point, and they made it happen. So uh, it, you you really wonder uh, in, in the long run. Uh, now look, they're not they're they're not going to uh, be the Kansas City Chiefs overnight. But it it really makes you wonder what does this do for their psyche, for their recruiting. Uh, transfer portal and what Clark Lee can do with this bunch at the end of the year. Yeah, it feels like a springboard type of performance. Again, we'll find out more in terms of how they handle this now with Florida coming to town this weekend, but somehow Kentucky loses the game despite having three players who averaged more than averaged nine yards or more per carry. Christian Rodriguez goes for 162 and two touchdowns on just 18 carries, averaged nine yards per carry. And the Wildcats come up short. And if I told you going into this game, look, Mike Wright's going to outplay Will Levis at the quarterback position. (laughs) I don't think you would have had a problem taking me up on that wager, but that's absolutely what happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It did. And and, uh, 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 Trev, uh, Trev, if you and I had flown to Vegas and put down, down, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, $20 on Vanderbilt, uh, uh, that flight back would have probably been pretty comfortable, wouldn't it? I think so. Absolutely. And what we'll do is we'll go ahead and preview now this Florida Vanderbilt game coming up on Saturday. That's in that noon Eastern window. That game is going to air on the SEC network. Vanderbilt now four and six overall. 
one and five in the league. The Florida Gators, six and four overall, three and four in the league. And I kind of played Florida on a hunch last week. They were my pick there in that home game. Mm -hmm. And boy, uh, you talk about a complete performance, a 21 to nothing lead after the first quarter for the Gators. And uh, they go on to really control South Carolina uh, in the win over the Gamecocks. Uh, control the line of scrimmage, uh, nearly 400 yards on the ground. Uh, look, they're averaging 225 rushing yards a game. That's the most since they had when they won the national championship in 2008. Uh, so Trev, I think they've just figured out who they are. Uh, if, and particularly if Anthony Richardson can play within himself and, and to his credit, eight touchdowns, zero turnovers in the last three plus games. Uh, but Montreal Johnson at ETN, uh, they, they've got a good offensive line, uh, with how they've been playing at this point. Uh, look, looks like, and, and if they beat Vandy, they'll qualify for a bowl. Got a huge game next week with Florida State that will be fun to be able to talk about. But uh, and and I, I, you may have been as shocked as I was about this. Even their defense, which has just been abysmal, uh, is played a little bit better uh, during this time too. So uh, kudos uh, to Gator fans. I'm guessing Pops was. Uh, Relieved and a little happy after that game, Trav. Yeah, I think Pops will take that. You're bowl eligible now, for sure. You know, and you go on this road trip to Vanderbilt, which takes on at least increased intrigue with yes. uh, both teams coming off uh, wins. It's been a while since we've been able to say that about Florida and Vanderbilt in the same weekend, but should be an interesting matchup up there in Nashville. Again, the conditions could be pretty much what you would expect for mid-November. So yeah. if you're making that trip, and I think Florida fans and really fans of any team in the East and the few from the West, uh, Ole Miss is a permanent opponent, I guess, of the Commodores makes that trip ever. It's always a feel-good trip to Vanderbilt. But, um, boy, this is a Vanderbilt team playing with a lot of confidence, you would think, right now, and Florida with a much-needed boost uh, as well. So as we move on there in the noontime window, on Saturday, Austin P seven and three, three and two in the Atlantic Sun Conference. The FCS Govs laden with Alabama, state of Alabama players. I think twenty-two players in all on that Austin P roster from the state of Alabama. They will make their third trip to the state this season to take on the Alabama Crimson Tide in a bye game. As we know, typically this weekend is when you see a lot of these games. We're gonna go through some of these. Uh, throughout the league here on the podcast today. But the Crimson Tide, you know, it felt more like relief for Alabama yes. in yes. getting that win over Ole Miss last Saturday in Oxford, Brent, than a return to excellence, right? Just felt yeah. like, okay, yeah. we've kind of steadied the ship here. Bryce Young is still our guy. Um, the defense in the second half played well enough, still not enough in the way of takeaways. And right. then – uh, to, to finish the game the way it did, Will Reichard with a big kick late to make Ole Miss have to get into the end zone, which certainly proved big once the Rebels were down there knocking on the door late in the fourth quarter. But the defense, more in the way of complimentary football in general, offense, yep. defense, special teams, really all showed up over the last 15 or 20 minutes of that game. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And they did some things in the second half that, that they had not been doing. Number one, the defense uh, held Ole Miss scoreless in Ole Miss's last three possessions. 
I thought that was uh, crucial for them. Alabama was able to run the ball, uh, particularly, and again, Jameer Gibbs uh, with the uh, uh, twisted ankle. Uh, but the other guys certainly stepped up. Chase McClellan uh, did really well uh, in the game. The offensive line at times that they were able to control the ball and control the clock. Uh, and, and I know as you wrote about Trav uh, for uh, Bama Online, uh, would, it, would it be conservative to say that Byron Young, the other Young on the team, uh, with 11 tackles, two for loss, two sacks, one forced fumble, he certainly helped the team and he helped himself, didn't he, Trav? Yeah, the Mississippi native stepping up in his final, I guess it's his final appearance. He does have the COVID year available to he him. Does. But, um, yeah, he was tremendous, no doubt about it. The the senior defensive lineman and you know, kind of gave him some of that game wrecker uh, production that they really haven't had throughout this season along that defensive line. So, you know, to get it done in that fashion was encouraging. And I think Alabama is very much looking forward to a game like Austin P this week, not so much just in terms of trying to recover from two tough road trips to LSU and Ole Miss, but also an opportunity to look ahead to the future. You would think in playing some of the younger guys, Absolutely. And, reincorporating some of these younger guys that you're trying to keep engaged and focused because with the transfer portal, simply a click away these days, um, that's, that's big on the to-do list for these coaches. They've got to make sure that next wave not only is physically developing, but is maintaining that engagement that you want with your program and maybe not already thinking about, well, how do I fit here? Should I go ahead and make the jump? And you see it so much more now with first and second year players because they got that one time option. And so something to keep an eye on this week as well. Also at noon Eastern on Saturday, East Tennessee State visits Mississippi State. Bulldogs still looking for their seventh win of the season following a home loss to the Georgia Bulldogs last Saturday night that I thought was pretty predictable as we talked about the similarities between Georgia and Alabama from a talent perspective with an emphasis maybe more on the defensive side of the ball than anything else, just a tough matchup for that air raid offense. And boy, it looked like uh, Georgia got those tight ends involved early and often and um, pretty much cruised from there. Uh, would it be an understatement to say, Trav, that Mike Leach was not happy uh, uh, with, with that sideline interview at halftime? So uh, they, they asked him about the uh, uh, officiating, uh, and he basically just told told, uh, told the reporter, uh, well, you saw the same thing I did. What did you think? So, yeah. <laughs> you know, typical. But, but but look, they and I give them credit. They hung in for a while. Will, Will Rogers throwing his typical 50 passes, 29 of 51, uh, leads the SEC in passing. Uh, 3,000 yards and 27 touchdowns. But, but Trav, their schedule pretty well. And I think the same thing's happened to Ole Miss. Uh, they've had three losses in the last four games against uh, nationally ranked teams. Uh, th- th- they had the, the loss against Kentucky, which is difficult. Uh, I think they'll rebound this week. Uh, they're certainly bowl eligible, which is important. And again, for that Thanksgiving night, uh, for bowl packing order, that Mississippi State and Ole Miss game, I think is going to be is going to be big for both of those teams. So, but uh, the question remains: 
and we'll have more than time to talk about it in the off season is state is kind of who we thought they would be, but, but travel can leach get them from that. What six, seven, uh, it, typical win season to where they are actually, uh, nearing double digit wins. So, uh, uh that, that will be the challenge continuing for Mississippi State. Yeah, I think eight wins is pretty much the ceiling for Mike yeah, Leach. I think that's probably right. And yes. I think if we're being honest, a lot of Mississippi State folks are okay with that. As long as you're bowl eligible and you're pretty consistent with that, it's kind of like some of these college basketball teams and their fan bases. You know, a lot of these fan bases, like Alabama's these days, they don't expect Alabama to win the NCAA tournament in men's basketball, but they do expect Alabama to be represented in yes. the NCAA yes. tournament on pretty much an annual basis. And so, and hey, look, if you have that year or two, I think maybe more so with Alabama men's basketball these days under Nate Oates, the expectations have gone even higher. Uh, but for Mike Leach, I think that's kind of the ceiling because I think this team at this point in his tenure is the, the ceiling of what he's probably going to put out there. Right, uh, right. In most of his years. And if he wins seven, eight, nine games, I think that'll be enough. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if, if that's something the entire fan base wants to hear. But, you know, again, it's the same thing against a quality opponent. Will Rogers throws 51 passes, but they bring back just 261 yards. So I know uh, state fans get tired of it. But every time I look at Will Rogers stat line, I look at yards per attempt. Absolutely. And he was at 5.1 yeah, against Jordan. Right. On Saturday night. And, and, and Trav, we both know, uh, and, and look, it works for him, and I get it, uh, but, but as, you, as you've chronicled many times, Leach is not changing his philosophy. Is no, he? this is what you're getting. And if you're Mississippi State, as we talked about, you need to hope he can hang on to Zach Arnett. Absolutely. Um, I mean, there's games like Georgia and Alabama where he just doesn't have the guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, you put him on pretty much an even field from a talent perspective. Uh, and they're typically going to be pretty good. I mean, produced a couple of picks from Stetson Bennett uh, in the game Saturday yes. night. So uh, we'll get more into Mississippi State coming up in advance of the Egg Bowl next week. We look forward to that one. UMass traveling to Texas A&M. I think Jimbo can get home oh, in this one. My. UMass, the Minutemen, come down from Amherst with a 1-9 and nine record. Texas A&M now. Three and seven losers of six in a row. Am I reading that correctly? Six in a row for Texas A&M and a performance against Auburn that I guess as much as anything was notable for who didn't play more than who did. (laughs) Travis, please explain this because I don't understand this at all. And neither does anybody else. Moose Muhammad, one of the few players uh, that could have really helped them offensively did not play. Uh, he goes on Twitter and says, I didn't play against Auburn for wearing arm sleeves. Not, not still not quite sure what that is. Jimbo suffice to say, it's an internal issue. Devon a chain does not play, uh, at the offense, 21 points a game. Uh, the worst since 2001, and we can give a lot of numbers that people can pretty well guess what what that is. But 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 one thing that really caught my attention with them is Trav. They've had 43 players who have missed at least one game for one reason or another. That is more than half 
of an 85-man scholarship roster. So, uh, it, it, Travis, at this point, the the issues there uh, compared to them starting the season as a number five team in the nation, I, I don't know if we've seen a team tank as bad as they have, uh, but still – Jimbo with that promise of Connor Weekman and those freshman defensive linemen, as we talked about last week, that's better than keeping that boat floating at this point. Yeah, and the Weekman performance didn't help Jimbo Saturday night. No. 14 of 36, 121, average 3.4 yards per attempt. He did have a touchdown pass, and uh, you're not going to win many games at A&M these nope. days if Evan Stewart is catching three passes for nine yards and Moose Muhammad doesn't play at all, especially with Anaya Smith out for the season. Uh, so a train wreck offensively right now, T- uh, Texas A&M is. And then defensively, the inability against the run to slow that down shows up as Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter for Auburn both go for an identical 121 yards apiece. Uh, in the game and quarterback Robbie Ashford ran for 47 more. So run defense hasn't been a friend of the Aggies, no doubt about it. We talked about Florida Vanderbilt earlier. So let's jump into that 3:30 window and get into those Georgia Bulldogs taking on those Kentucky Wildcats. And so a game that we greeted with so much anticipation, Brent back in the preseason, uh, just an afterthought right now is Kentucky at three and four in the league, six and four overall playing for bowl pecking order still has Louisville on the horizon too. That won't be an easy game for the Wildcats. Georgia locked up its spot in the sec championship game. Again, wanted this game to be for the sec Eastern division championship. Instead, it feels more and more like Georgia should be able to just run the football for 60 minutes if that's what it chooses to do. Yeah, and again, they they're doing it by committee, the same way they're doing it with wide receivers, uh, and, and I think that's one of the more impressive uh, things about this team is is they develop some of these guys. Lad McConkey is not going to win the Heisman Trophy, but he has been one of the stars for them this year, and he was in this game five catches. 71 yards, had a 70-yard touchdown run. Uh, so guys like that have really been able to step up uh, and and play well. Jalen Carter coming back and being healthy uh, has been dominant uh, on the defensive line. So we have credit for them for that, too. But, but Trav, the, the, I think the thing that's got my attention here is that Kentucky, uh, we certainly thought would be would be better. I think Will Levis is um, is struggling at this point, even as good as he is. Boy, the numbers of 11 of 23 from 109. What a job that Vanderbilt did uh, on him, too. Uh, to Bayon Robinson, who's had a decent year, 5 for 49. That's not much uh, with that either. So, uh, But Kentucky started well. The Ole Miss game kind of uh, uh, derailed them for a while. Many, many issues, and I still think the issues go back to uh, the offensive line that has been unable uh, to protect Levis throughout the whole year, and they have dearly paid the price for that. They have, and this isn't the week to have uh, questions about that area (laughs) of your football team with Jalen Carter and his pals. 
set to descend upon Kroger Field. You're right about Ladd McConkey, man. He had a 70-yard touchdown run on a reverse or an end around. It wasn't really a true reverse in the win over Mississippi State. And then he catches five passes for 71 yards and another touchdown. I like how Munkin utilizes all of his guys. Yes. And if I was Nick Saban, yes. I would probably sit down Bill O'Brien and say, Bill, this is getting imaginative in the yes. run game. I've right. been calling for Alabama to run an end around for 10 games now. Not an outright flashy sure. double handoff sure. reverse, just something coming back the other way right. off of action to Jameer Gibbs and hasn't done it. Will not do it, apparently. But you saw Georgia do it Saturday yeah. night against Mississippi State, and it results in a 70-yard touchdown run for Ladd McConkey. So uh, I give their offensive brain trust at Georgia there a lot of credit. Three different guys caught touchdown passes against Mississippi State, Brent. Three different guys had rushing touchdowns in the win over Mississippi State. Not a lot outside of the tight ends in terms of star power, but they got guys, and they make good use of all of their guys. They They really, really do. And so the expectation being that Georgia will be able to do enough against Christian Rodriguez. I wonder about Will Levis' health still. You know where he's at exactly because the performances just aren't lining up. And no. as you said, he doesn't have the complimentary people with an emphasis on the offensive line to help him. Uh, so it could be another enough, another rough week of tape for NFL draft hopeful Will Levis. Four o'clock Eastern on Saturday, SEC Network. The Auburn Tigers, Cadillac Williams, Carnell Williams continuing to make his case for the head coaching position there on the Plains. We'll welcome the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. Look, that was a nice win for Auburn, but I think most people look at it as more of Texas A&M just being a yes. a, a, a total disaster right now than uh, maybe as a positive for Auburn moving forward. And I'm going to tell you, this is a game Auburn should and, and probably will win, but it can't afford to screw around much no, with a with a no. solid Western Kentucky team coming to town. No, no, they're seven and four. They beat in Charlotte and Rice in consecutive weeks. They won four out of five uh, under Tyson Helton. And the, uh, this Southern Illinois quarterback, Austin Reed, uh, has thirty five hundred yards. 31 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. So, uh, uh, and, and Trav, I think it will be pretty safe to say Auburn's not going to win a shootout with a lot of teams right now, are they? They're not. They want to obviously hand it to Bigsby, hand it to Hunter, mix in some runs from Ashford if they can, and you know throw it here and there. Uh, and that defensive front has sort of, uh, stepped up its game here. Have, like, you expect Auburn to always be formidable in that area, and that has been more of the case here in the last few weeks. And look, Carnell's got those guys playing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not always playing great, but there, there's no questioning the spirit and effort of that team. And I think this game, and and I and I don't think Cadillac is a top two candidate for the job yeah, right now right. in terms of. The permanent status, I think, is still laying probably at the top of that list. But um, this is the kind of game where you'll be evaluated as much as anything if you're mm-hmm. Carnell. You, you can't lose this kind of no, game. No. And, again, that's understanding. Western Kentucky is a solid team, uh, bowl-eligible football team out of the CUSA. So we'll see how the Tigers handle it 
on Saturday afternoon at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Tennessee at South Carolina. This kind of sums up what kind of week it is, not only in the SEC, but around college football. Yes, This is the ESPN game Saturday night from Williams-Rice Stadium, and you're going to have Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit (laughs) in Columbia for this match. That pretty much tells you where we're at. Tennessee, boy. Uh, Josh Heupel seemed to have a little something there for Eli Drinkwitz late in that 66-point performance for the Tennessee Vols, throwing the deep ball with Joe Milton and then calling timeout to make sure he could run a couple more plays to get to 66. But the Vols offense continues to hum, and South Carolina, you talk about a team we can't figure out week to week. No, Right now, that seems to be Shane Beamer's club. Uh, it does. Uh, yeah. Uh, Heupel went Anderson and taking a knee in that game. Was he? No, Trav? So, no. uh, I'm sure, I'm sure that will be remembered. Uh, well, Eli had some probation and yes, comments like yeah, that. In the off season. I, yes, I don't think Josh, for, I don't think Josh <laughs> forgot about those so good. You know? Well, no, I agree. Uh, but, but listen, uh, and as Travis said, this, uh, this South Carolina team has been one of the more schizophrenic teams that, that we have dealt with, um, uh, just about the whole year. I mean, South Carolina, uh, they started well uh, early on, and they have really struggled uh, after that. Uh, and I think a lot of that continues to be like, for instance, Marshawn Lloyd, that what their running back, one of their few offensive threats, uh, has uh, did not play due to a thigh bruise. Uh, they, uh, allowed Florida to run all over them at this point. Uh, so look, and I'm not saying Shane Beamer has not made some progress with them. Uh, but he's still, uh, I think another, uh, another good, what Trav two or two or three years of recruiting uh, for them to become any kind of a, uh, uh, a threat, uh, in that Eastern division, the way they want to be. Yeah, South Carolina is pretty much Mississippi State of the East. They are. And so if you're pretty much bowl eligible on a consistent basis there and you're, uh, you know, you're a, a guy with a, a personality and a charisma that the mm-hmm. fan base just sort of buys yes. into like Shane Beamer, you're going to be there for a while. And that's the good news for South Carolina is that the Gamecocks are already bowl eligible at six and four because between Tennessee this week and Clemson next week, six and six might be the absolute ceiling for the Gamecocks heading into the bowl selection process. Also on Saturday evening, I kind of like this matchup, by the way, Ole Miss coming off the home loss to the Alabama Crimson side heads out to Fayetteville, Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks still trying to get bowl eligible. Speaking of Sam Pittman's team at five and five and two and four in the league rebound mode for Lane Kiffin and his team following that home defeat uh, and elimination from the SEC West race. I guess with Arkansas, Brent, the interest will be in. Do we see KJ Jefferson this week after he wasn't able to go against LSU in the loss? Uh, Trav, I really believe uh, that if Cade Fortin may have played that uh, entire game, they may have beaten LSU last week. He did look good when he came in on their touchdown drive. Uh, he Fortin made a couple of throws uh, that maybe only Hendon Hooker could have thrown uh, in that particular time. But uh, at the same time, LSU's defense, defense stood up uh, it made a, made a difference in that game. So, uh, I look, 
I think for bowl pecking order and so forth, uh, this is a big game, particularly for uh, New Year's Six. Uh, there's no yeah. doubt about it. Absolutely. For Ole Miss. Yeah, and, and for Ole Miss looking for, uh, again, uh, double-digit wins two years in a row. Uh, Trev, would they put a statue up of Lane if that happened? They might have to because that might be all that's left of Lane uh, after the yeah. season. Yeah, possibly. It might be all that that, that that we remember of Lane. But, yes. no, Ole Miss, um, you know, running the football is obviously where it starts. So it's not a bad matchup for Arkansas in that regard. Um, it's the back end where the problems have come in. Uh, they did get after Jaden Daniels with the pass rush yes. last week. Uh, but Ole Miss is going to bring more in the way of true balance in the run game with the quarterback and the running backs and uh, still some wide receivers there at Ole Miss with Jonathan Mingo and Malik Keith, some of those guys that can really hurt you uh, with that balance for the Rebels. Also on Saturday night, New Mexico State, the Aggies of Las Cruces making the trip to Missouri where Eli Drinkwitz's team continuing to fight for bowl eligibility at four and six and coming off that thumping at the hands of Tennessee. I'll say this for Missouri, even in that what turned out to be blowout loss to Tennessee, it's a 28-24 game in the third quarter. It sure was. And it kind of stuck with the theme of, you know, this is a team that for a while is going to hang in there. And, you know, I thought Brady Cook once again Mm -hmm. was – he was more than serviceable at the quarterback position. I think if you're Missouri, you were encouraged by what you saw from Luther Burden in some in some pieces of play there against the Vols. But uh, this is a game in which Missouri should be able to get the fifth win. And then we could have, what, Arkansas and Missouri yes. for bowl eligibility yes. the next week. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, it, yeah, two, five, and six teams. Uh, playing the day after Thanksgiving, that that, that will be a Friday game. Uh, with that, yes, Brady Cook, 19-32 for 217, a couple of touchdowns. Trav Cook ran 16 times for 106 yards. So uh, I give Cook some credit. Cook has been, and look, he hasn't been spectacular, but he's been fairly steady for them uh, in a lot of ways. And, and again, as we know, no question about Eli Drink with future after giving that that extension and raise, which some people wondered about, but still at the same time, uh, they're they're on on fairly steady ground, but they do need to get to a bowl. They do. And wrapping things up on Saturday night, oof, this ought to be something in Baton Rouge, right? This is a nine Eastern kickoff at Death Valley on ESPN2. Think about the locals by the time 8 p.m. Central rolls around <laughs> after a full day of just yes. absolutely celebratory yes. tailgating because you've already got the SEC West wrapped up. Yep, Man, right. what is that environment going to be like? More so in the parking lots there in Baton Rouge than even in the stadium come 8 Central. But the LSU Tigers at eight and two and six and one in the league following that narrow win over the Arkansas Razorbacks last Saturday in Fayetteville uh, look to avoid a, a fate similar to what Nick Saban encountered many, many years ago when the Blazers of UAB came to Death Valley. They have uh, UAB has lost five one score games. I, I, I really do wonder if Bill Clark was still coaching UAB uh, what this would, uh, I'm not saying UAB would win the game, but 
uh, I, I think it, we may have a little bit different perspective on it. I tell you another guy that we <laughs> that, that that's changed some people's perspective, uh, Harold Perkins, and we mentioned this last week. Obviously, he really has shown up in the last couple of games. Uh, he has seven and a half sacks. Arden Key has the single season record of twelve, but but trail per, uh, Perkins has just been absolutely unstoppable, has he not? He has. He's tremendous. Just a really, really tremendous all around football player because he's a guy you can line him up inside. You can play him at strong side linebacker. You can bring him off the edge. You can spy him from the middle of the field like we saw uh, LSU do with him in that win over Arkansas. He's the real deal. And a guy that, in terms of how he's going to be talked about going into his sophomore year, it's almost going to be like a year ahead of what we heard with Will Anderson of Alabama. You know, Will was, was really good his freshman year. But it was his sophomore year that he Mm -hmm. broke out. Well, Perkins is breaking out as a true freshman. So uh, next year, we're going to be talking about Harold Perkins in a way in which we kind of talked about going into this year with Brock Bowers on the other side of the ball at the tight end position. It's what I kind of think of. It's a weird analogy, I know. When I think of Harold Perkins, I think of the defensive version of maybe a Brock Bowers in terms of how he's going to be just tremendously difficult to deal with because of his immense skill set and talent. So there you go. LSU UAB nine Eastern on ESPN two. That will wrap SEC related action for the upcoming weekend. Anything else, Brent, before we get out of here, uh, Trevor, you mentioned the Heisman race a few minutes ago. This is one of the uh, closest Heisman races as far as we really don't have a true leader right now. I, I mean, look, I know uh, you can certainly go with Hendon Hooker of Tennessee, C.J. Stroud of Ohio State, but there are a lot of guys, Tetson Bennett of Georgia, Blake Corm of Michigan, Drake May of North Carolina, uh, can't leave out Bryce Young of Alabama. So I, I, I think this is one of the closest races, Trav, that we've seen in many a year. Oh, no doubt. And there's still a couple of big stages coming up. No doubt. For these guys between rivalry weekend like Ohio State uh, with Corum and for Michigan and uh, Stroud for Ohio State, and, uh, some opportunities for some SEC guys coming up here between now and the SEC championship game. So still a lot to determine. I don't envy you this year, Brent. It's going to be a tough one, tough ballot, but uh, at least there will be some serious intrigue, I think, going Absolutely. into Absolutely that weekend there in new york city well brent as always enjoyed it great stuff from brent beard of course brent doing great work there at first coast news as well and you need to keep up with him from that perspective also hey brent look forward to talking about it all next week me too pal take care for brent beard travis ryer thanking you once again for joining us right here on second helping thanks once again too to DraftKings. Go to DraftKings.com. Check out all the great fantasy football options available to you there. Great prizes, big-time prizes at DraftKings.com. Also, the Pigskin Podcast Network is the primary platform for second helping. Thanks to those folks. And, of course, you can find us anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, wherever you intake pods. You can subscribe to us. And if you leave us a rating and a review while you're there, We would greatly appreciate that as well. For Brent, Travis, until next week, so long, everybody.